Welcome to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Our mission is to bring healing, transformation and meaning to the lives of people in different societies with the good news of Jesus Christ. When you allow yourself to grow in a relationship with Him, you start getting filled up. When you are full of the Spirit, eh, you will be restrained and constrained from doing some things that are not of honest report. God's servant delivers the word of truth with clarity, simplicity and dexterity. Here is Pastor Francis Aubin proclaiming God's mind to you today. It's a time for the word of God. I want you to pick your Bibles. Let's read from Romans chapter 4, verse 17 to 21. Romans 4, 17 to 21. He said, as it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed. Even God, who quickened the dead and called those things which be not as though they were. Praise the Lord. And he said in the verse number 18, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, when he was about an hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was also going to perform. Let me take the train one again. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. Please, you may take your seat. We have been doing this series. And... Uh, <clears throat> In our midweek service, it's very powerful. We have been considering fight. And uh, today we are handling part four. Fight. This series is very important because it teaches us how to fight the good fight of faith. As apostle, the apostle said that we should fight the good fight, fight of faith. In Romans chapter 4, these particular verses we have read is talking about how God promised Abraham that he was going to become the father of many nations. And Abraham believed God. And he believed God whom he could not see. But he believed that God could quicken the dead. And call those things that be not into being as though they were. That is, he believed in the almightiness of God. He believed in the ability and the power of God to do all things. That is the God of possibilities. Now, verse 18 says that, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations? Of course, 
We have been told the story of Abraham that God promised him when he was about the age of 75 to leave his father's house. And uh, the promise was that he was going to make him the father of many nations. And Abraham did not have a child. The time that he had the promised child, he was 100 years. And the Bible says that it was so torturing, but Abraham was not weak in faith. And when the Bible said he was not weak in faith, it makes us understand that because of the strength of his faith, he did not consider the weakness of his own body, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb. That is to say that strong faith helps us to deal with the visible, physical, contradictory evidence which is against our cause. I mean, a man that is 75 onwards should be considering the weakness of his body and then also the deadness of the womb of the wife, Sarah, who was also just about 10 years younger than Abraham. So when they finally had a promised child, Abraham was 100 and Sarah was what? 90 years. That's some correct tag team there who had faith. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Old man, old woman, but full of faith. What the Bible is trying to teach us is that if you are old by age and you have faith, you can still function as a youth. So that when their bodies were weak and the womb was dead, Sarah and Abraham could still have the result that naturally younger people have. Because people their age don't give birth. Especially with the gynecological issues they had. But by faith, they were able to transpose their dead bodies into that of youthful people because they believed in the God who could call the things that be not into being as though they were. Praise the Lord. And they, the Bible said in the verse number 20 that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. So here we know that when the Bible talks about someone staggering at the promise of God or staggering with their faith, it has to do with unbelief. Hey. And unbelief is so powerful because it neutralizes your faith. And unbelief is not disbelief. See, disbelief is like somebody doesn't believe anything at all. But unbelief is that you believe in something, but you happen to believe in the wrong thing. So, when someone staggers in according to the promises of God, or at the promises of God, is that those people have given away their faith, or thrown away their faith, or abandoned their faith, and they have embraced something else. And sometimes, when you embrace something else, it looks like you still have the faith. That's why we're preaching here. Because, I mean, Jesus was on water with his disciples, and the waves were just rising up against him. And he asked them, where is your faith? It tells us that 
Many people abandon their faith whenever there is an issue. So he thought that they had faith they could handle the matter, not knowing they had already abandoned their faith. So he asked them, where is your faith? I mean, there are many times when we go through situations and we want to forget about everything we have learned, we've been taught by God through his word. Are you with me here? And unbelief is so powerful. Concerning Jesus, the Bible said, because of unbelief, he couldn't do so much miracles in his own town. Because they use unbelief to neutralize the, the miraculous power. I mean, it's not as if the promise has changed. The promise is still there. But your mechanism for tapping into the promise is your faith. And without faith, it is impossible to transact with God. Except God wants to do things out of his own sovereignty. So faith gives us the power to transact supernaturally. The child of God will stagger at the promises of God when we begin to walk in logic, we begin to walk with physical evidence and all of that. Twenty says that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And this dovetails into what I'm going to be teaching tonight as a key for the battles we are fighting. How to make our battles powerful. Now, before I go into the last verse, which is a sweetheart to me, what does it mean when the Bible says somebody did not waver or somebody did not stagger? And we are talking about Abraham. Staggering connotes the movement of a drunkard. When somebody gets drunk with alcohol, they stagger. Is that not so? The stagger is drunk, so it's difficult. Normally when they are doing, is it DIU they call it? When they are testing the alcohol from people who are drunk driving, they, they just tell them, like you saw Tiger who some time ago, he had taken a particular drug. And he had come under the influence of the drug. So they will tell you to walk in a straight path. You see that? You'll be walking and you'll be going some way. You understand? So, and you see a typical drunk person. And it's difficult for the person to walk in a straight course. So they go here small. And they go here small. They go here small. So it's like the wave of the sea tossed here and there. So when the Bible says that he did not stagger at the promises of God, honestly, if you look at biblical account, let's try and analyze Abraham. The man the Bible says did not stagger <laughs> at the promise of God, one, at some point he was a complainer. He said, this Eliezer slave, this slave, this servant in my house, is going to inherit me. You have not given me my own children. Does that look to you like somebody who is stable in mind? Then, at some point in time, our father of faith had to branch small into Hagar. Small, not much. Small. 
And then Ishmael came out. Hey. It's like a special branch. And Ishmael came out. And God still said, that's not a promised child. So, this guy who just wanted a son or a child should have been okay with what had come out of Hagar. But when the Bible says he did not stagger, the Bible is saying that he was able to pick himself up from that initial mistake, so to say, because I don't have enough words to describe that kind of action. <laughs> initial stepping aside, which was not to produce the promised child, he was able to pick himself up and go back to the original plan in a way that he was able to follow God until Isaac came at the 25th year. So when the Bible says, have you seen a drunk person entering into a gutter and sleeping in a gutter like it's his bed before? You people, where they give birth to you? I wonder, all these things are very, it's like they are, it's like you were born in Euro, European children. They have not seen a living chicken before. Except they go on a, an excursion. So they, they, they don't understand a lot of things. Yeah, they have not seen like goat, live goat. They are far. So it's like when we say somebody got drunk and slept in the gutter, you don't understand because you were born in the palace. Hey. So normally, so staggering has to do with not walking well here and there and all of that. So sometimes you see that some things beat you here and there and all of that. But this guy was able to pick himself up. And when he picked himself up, he followed the original plan and the promised child was born. So here the Lord is telling us that everybody has a story. And sometimes it doesn't go according to the plan that God has set for you and I. But you should be in the scripture that says that the righteous will fall seven times and is able to pick himself up by the power of God. So when he said he did not waver, it's not like there was no battle in his mind. There will always be a battle in your mind. As a child of God, there will always be a battle before you, a physical battle. You will see that this battle has gotten to you. Sometimes you will lose your sleep. But when you lose your sleep, don't stay there. Don't stagger and stay in the gutter. So you see that Abraham did not stick with Hagar forever. Praise the Lord. He was able to revert and go back to Sarah and then God showed up. That's why the Bible is saying that. That person who is able to have that reverse gear and follow the original plan of God, that's a person, Bible is saying, has not staggered in his faith. And it is not easy to be able to do that. That's why the verse 21 is saying that. This Abraham, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That is why for 21 years, 25 years, he was able to follow God, believe God that he said he would give him a child, and he gave him a child. He was able to follow patiently 
Somebody say patiently. I'm not hearing you at all. Tell somebody it's not easy. Hey. <laughs> so this 25 years to give birth to one child. Hey. There is nothing we are going through that has not happened before. And sometimes when we take time to share, this is not just a story. It's someone's reality. And the Bible says that concerning Abraham and Sarah, they are for our example. Okay? So, some of these things are happening now. It might be in the area of your work. It might be in the area of your family life. Area of your health and all of that. You have had to wait. And waiting is not easy. <laughs> waiting can be very huh, something else. And to be able to wait successfully, the Bible says that you have to be strong in faith. And you have to fight unbelief. And then finally, he said, you have to be persuaded. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Persuaded is that you have been convinced and you have put a password on the conviction. That God is able, he has not done it, I'm waiting actively in the space. Now, the problem is that many people can be waiting, but they are passive in the space. So, the waiting is in unbelief. It's like, whatever God will do, let him do. He will do what he has to do. But that was not Abraham. Abraham was actively waiting in the space. Like Hannah. Hannah had not given up. She was actively waiting in the space. That is why every time she went to Shiloh, she went with her sacrifice, she went to fast, she went to pray. Because she didn't know when God was going to visit her. And so many people get tired and even though they have not lost faith in God, they begin to walk in unbelief. My God, I'm feeling it. And so when the time of visitation comes, a lot of people miss it. They miss it. They don't see the time of their visitation because they become passive in the space. But God expects you and I to be active with faith within the space where we are waiting. Hey, when you are traveling to some of the places and you are doing transit, man, some of the waiting times can be eight hours. Yeah. The journey itself is far. Then you have to wait. I have not waited more than four hours before. And even that one, ah, almost. In the first place, I don't like traveling for, for long. What is it? Is it by force? <laughs> when I'm in the plane, I wish I would close my eyes and it has landed. You know, so anytime I go to Europe to preach, maybe in Germany, London, wherever, when I finish now, the next day I'm coming to Ghana. And I don't like taking maybe KLM to, um, you know, to skip all and then sit for even 30 minutes. No, 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 no. Wherever I'm going, I want to go direct. BA, <laughs> London. You know, Delta straight. Like, just take me there. No bear, no cab. I don't want to drop. Ah! Because waiting is not a joke. 
I remember some time ago we were traveling. I was going to preach in the UK, and there was a pregnant woman by my side. We were traveling, and then she became very hysterical at some point in time. And then she started throwing up. So I brought her the blanket around to catch the vomit. COVID had not come. <laughs> and all of them, then she started losing breath. The flight attendant came to attend to her. Yeah, and so I told her, she should calm down, calm down. They said, I'm dying, I'm dying. I mean, she has been in that altitude for a while and she couldn't take it again. Thankfully, we were like 50 minutes to London. And when we landed, she just went and sat in one corner to breathe. And she told me that she thought she was going to die. I said, you can't die here. <laughs> it's not a joke to be hanging in between heaven and earth. God has said something and you have to wait. Ah, it's not happening here. And you don't know what has happened there. You are just in between like that. And there are many people fighting in between. Hey, one marriage, you know. One pregnancy, one job, you know. One vampire, your contract. Oh. Vampire, now, vampire, now, they read him. God have mercy. How did Abraham remedy this? He was persuaded. That is, he brought the spiritual promise to a mental realm and locked it in his faith and said, listen, I have sought God. He has told me he's going to do it. I'm going to remain active in the space. No matter what happens, I have believed in him who promised me. He's going to make it good. So he believed in the ability of God against his own weaknesses. Is somebody here at all? And I believe that when the Bible says fight the good fight of faith, we should be able to get to that point where we are able to translate our spiritual belief of what God has promised to do in our lives, get to the place of conviction and persuasion. And cross all the line, dot all the I's, and be sure that without any reasonable doubt, we have come to a place of conclusion that the matter is settled. Now, to some extent, we are able to do this by fellowshipping from time to time. But when it comes to the practical field of living our lives, you know, on a daily basis by faith, here you and I, practical, agroniform. How do we translate this? Hey. Because faith does not mean your mind is dead. It doesn't mean your eye is dead. You should be able to make sure that whatever God has given you as a resource, you're able to connect it to the word of God and make it good. So many of the failures we have in this life is just because either we stay in the spiritual space and we don't know how to appropriate whatever has been told us in the physical space. And so we are going to be learning, I mean, from our David and Goliath story, one key or two that we need to employ in order for us to fight successfully by faith. 
Because mostly when we talk about fighting by faith, we just begin to take something that is abstract. And we keep losing. We keep losing in this life. Oh. We lose in the business front. We lose in the marketplace. We lose in the home front. We lose financially in our health. We just lose. But when the Bible says, be strong in faith, you have to get to that point of persuasion. And persuasion means that your spirit and your mind, they are working well. Praise the Lord. So we go back to our original text, 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. And then we want to stand on the ground of persuasion and make our battle. 1 Samuel 17 verse 25. What does the Bible say? It says that, And the man of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killed him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the man that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine and take it away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 27. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killed him. Look at verse 30. And verse 30 says that, And he turned from him. That is, when his brother came to insult him and accuse him. Bible says, And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. So we have learned that to be able to fight your battles successfully as a child of God, number one, there must be a good cause for you to fight. We have said that number two, you need the spirituality to choose or select your battles wisely. <laughs> That's why David didn't fight his brothers when he got there. He said, is there not a cause? Number three, we have learned that you need to keep an open ear and heart to understand the language of your opponent. You need to understand the language of your industry, of your field. Language of marriage. So that you'll be able to fight successfully. Praise the Lord. Number four, do not face battles with fear and panic. So David got there and all the soldiers were panicking at the voice of Goliath. So we learned that David became successful because he was not panicky like the rest of the soldiers. Are you with me? Number five, that was a part three. We learned that you do not allow people to define your obstacles for you. Do it yourself. So whenever you are before a battle, yes, you can take here and there, but define your obstacles by yourself because the, the bigness or the size of the obstacle is defined based on the strength of the faith of whoever is defining it. So if their faith is small, they will tell you that it's impossible. And so if you allow someone to define 
the opponent or the obstacles for you, they might tell you that marriage doesn't work. Or this business doesn't work. Are you following now? Or you might never recover from whatever. You have to get to that point where you define things by yourself. And by the encounters you have had and the faith you have built over time. So, in this service, we are dealing with key number six. And we are saying that do due diligence till your information reach saturation levels before you fight. Hey. For you to fight the fight of faith successfully, you must embark on a due diligence till your information reaches saturation levels before you fight. If it's a business, before you engage. If it's a marriage, before you engage. If it's a financial transaction, you need to perform due diligence. Are we, are we going to learn something now? Now, why do I say this? Now, if you look at that verse 25, when David got to the field and saw Goliath, and then he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine and all of that? The Bible said that he now asked them, first, who is this uncircumcised Philistine making noise? Number two, what shall be given to the man? You see, he was there when they said to him that, verse 25, and it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and his father's house will be free in Israel. Hey, nice. This is the reward on the head of the giant. And so if you're able to kill him, this is what is going to happen to you and your family. And look at when he says, and David spoke to the man that stood by him. That some people told him that this is what will happen. Then he went and said, look, I heard something like that. What did you hear about this matter? He, he spoke to the man that stood by him, saying, what shall be done to the man that killed this Philistine and take it away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And look at verse 27. And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killed him. That is, they confirmed what was said before. And if you go to verse 30, when his brothers came in between and, and insulted him, David was still asking. He turned away from his brothers, and the Bible says that, and spake after and he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. In fact, if you read down, you will find out that he kept asking, asking until they took him to Saul. The king himself. And the king said, look, if you say you can do it, you can do it. You got my word. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Are you here at all? Why must we discuss something like due diligence when we are in church? You might, David moved from one person, another person, another person, trying to confirm. They call it saturation. Where there is no need to ask again any question because the answers that are coming are not different from what you are hearing. Is somebody here at all? Are you sure you are here? 
Now, the reason why this is important is that I'll quote a scripture and then I'll, I'll continue with the teaching. Proverbs 25, verse 2 to 4. I love it already. I'm loving it. Look at the mind of God. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But the honor of kings is to search out a matter. So, God's glory, spirits, conceal matter. The honor of men, kings, is to search out a matter. Due diligence, gathering information through searching and seeking. Until that point where you know that it cannot go wrong again if I take the step. But most of the time, it's like today you really have to fight something. When you get to something that looks like it, and it's like something tells me, either your intuition or either your instinct tells you to make a move. And sometimes when you make a move and it backfires, you said, I heard the voice of God. What do you mean? Am I even preaching? When I saw the girl, something fell upon me. That's my wife. No. You don't marry like that. I saw a dream. You don't know. It doesn't work like that. Oh. Tell somebody, by, by faith, you must be persuaded. <laughs> Come on now. Tell somebody, you have to be persuaded by faith. Yes, oh. I'm going to say some things here. I, because I feel the preacher is preaching inside me. <laughs> oh my God. Let me read this scripture first. La. Verse 3. The heaven for height and the earth for depth and the heart of kings is what? On, that is something that is in the heart of man is difficult to unravel. And there are heights and depth that you must consider whenever you have to make a move. You have to take a battle. You have to fight. Marriage is enjoyable, but it's a fight. So if you are going to go in, we said there must be a good cause for you to marry. And then you must be persuaded that because it's a good cause, you will stand now and fight. So he says that because the heart of man is unsearchable, oh boy, you have to be surgical in, in your due diligence to be sure that you have found something that you can lay claim on before you engage in whatever you want to engage in. Can we read the verse number four? And, and the verse number four will even blow your mind. Look at verse number four. Beautiful scripture. Take away the dross from the silver. And the dross here is not talking about bikini. It's not talking about panties. Take away the dross from the silver. And there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. <laughs> so here Dross is talking about the impurities that normally is separated from minerals when they want to make it pure. And when they want to make sure that the carrots, they are pure. Are you following now? Uh -huh. <laughs> so they take all the, the Dross. All the impurities, the unwanted materials, different, different metals in there. They take it away from it so that they will get the pure mineral. And he's saying that when you take away the dross from the silver, 
Then there shall come forth a vessel, a treasure for the person who put it in the fire. The refiner. Are you here at all? That is to say that with every opportunity that will present itself to you, there might be things covering it, veiling it from your eyes. And some things can cover some things and make them look like they are something they are not. People are not people. And the angel of darkness can present itself like an angel of what? Light. So when you just take a raw silver, you are taking the treasure plus the dross. But you will not know what is inside the ore until you take the dross. That's why you have to search. That's why you have to put it in fire. That's why you have to heat the temperature. That's why you have to do due diligence so that the real thing, your hand will catch it. So let's say you have met a, a man. God has promised you like Abraham, you are going to marry. And the man comes up. And he's a man you saw in the dream. Thank God for dream. But what does God want you to do? He wants you to be persuaded. There is a measure. There's a certain fire. That everything that is durable has to go through. And if it can stand the fire of test, ayakua lagidas. That's how. That's why you do courtship. And doing courtship, don't keep. You see, you can't refine silver by putting more debt into that that process. That's why I say when you are courting, don't allow sex. Don't don't be don't be doing wife matter if you are a woman. You too don't be doing husband matter if you are a man. Let the thing look clear. Praise the Lord. Is God talking to somebody here? And search the matter. Yeah. If somebody comes your way and says he wants to marry you, God here yeah, has promised you. And when God promises, devil will bring his squad, God will bring his squad. But it is, it is your duty to search a matter. And you not searching a matter and just relying on the prophecy or the promise is one of the ways people have wasted their lives. One, one man of God was ministering to a sister here who was going out to, with a brother and told the sister that you marry a man of God. And then I was also handling the relationship. And so the sister came to me and the person was going out to Likes the ministry. So he said, ah, then that's a prophecy now. I said, the, the man of God said, you will marry a man of God. Did he mention this one's name? No. Did he say, this man of God? No. He said, a man of God. And he didn't bring any brother out. So in your mind, because whoever you are going out with, Looks like a man of God. You are making him the man of God. I said that is not a prophecy. You don't marry with prophecy. You have to be persuaded. Because sometimes the man, look at somebody like me. I, <laughs> I, I was not born man of God lah. Look at Pastor Ben. He's an archery. 
archerist. Works in, in their, his organization. So somebody can meet him and he has, he's carrying a prophecy. You marry a man of God, you meet an archerist. Figures. Figures. So, so when they say you marry a man of God, you have to search the matter. Is God talking to somebody here? Search the matter. David came and said, You people are saying that the person who kills this giant. So, so, and so will be given to the person. I've heard it at the mouth of two or three. A case is established. I'm not hearing it from only you. He turned and went to the other people there. What did they say will happen? He said, ah. They said, this is what will happen. Oh, if you kill this person, that person, blah, blah, blah. And then when he was talking to his brothers, and then the thing was not sweet to him, he moved away. And when he moved away, he was talking. Have you heard what they said will be the reward? And they repeated the same thing. Then he said, no. There's no discrepancy. The information is the same. This is true. It's God talking to somebody. From one place, from different people, he looked at it from different sides. Sometimes, God says, I will prosper you in business. Then an opportunity comes. Satan just wants to collect your money. But because he just received prophecy on Saturday and opportunity came on Tuesday, you want to jump based on that prophecy. Do due diligence. God had already told David, I'll make you a keeper. He kept asking. He kept asking. He kept asking. If you don't do due diligence, you will not be fighting a proper fight of faith. And after a while, you feel like God has disappointed you. Because you have to understand that God conceals a matter. Man must search for it. Search it out. Praise the Lord. That's why it is nonsensical to start courtship with somebody and uh, not look for the genotype. I'm going there, baby. Of the person, I love you, I love you, is good. Maybe the person is good and kind and all of that. Wonderful person. But marriage and staying together goes beyond marrying a wonderful person. There can be an extra luggage that can make your journey very troubling. You pay extra for something that people just sit and enjoy. Are you following now? So yeah, you are dating, dating, dating. Everybody, you must carry your genotype. Whether you are AA, you are AS, you are AC, you are whatever. PWD. <laughs> carry it at your fingertips. Your blood group at your fingertips. Are you following here at all? Now you say you marry somebody, you have not done HIV test. They say do, you go do, do Danica. <laughs> now when you marry, without doing that due diligence... And then you give birth to a child and you are not fortunate and you are ASAS or ASAC and the child becomes SC or SS. That's, that's a foolish person creating trouble for somebody. And that child would have been born anyway, but would have been born in a more, you know, comfortable way of growing. Now, your bad decisions because you didn't do due diligence has created a medical condition for somebody. And it's not the devil who did it. 
And mostly charismatics don't want to hear something like that at all. I have faith. We believe that it will work. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you. I'm telling you today. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Due diligence. Some church that I knew, the guy came from abroad, wanted to marry the sister they had been dating, blah, 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 and all of that. And so when they came, the pastor said, okay, our, our decision is that you do a medical, blah, blah, blah. We have to see what's going on, and blah, 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 blah. The bugger ball. And the sister took ball. It's like, pastor wants to stop. What, what kind of bad pastor is that? They are in love. Oh, love. Love. So they married. They just left the church, went to find some garden bee. And, they mar- and you will always have prophets praying with you on the phone. Some sideway pastors who will always, or even your family can arrange some pastors for you. Am I talking to somebody here? And the, and the wedding went on. They married now eight, seven months. The lady started falling sick. The bogadier went back. Falling sick, falling sick, falling sick, falling sick, falling sick. Boga came. They went and ran some tests. Nothing is wrong with them. Then they said, let's do HIV. When they did HIV, you know, not knowing that Boga was carrying HIV fully, I transferred it to sister. Sister. Brother, the promise has gone forth. You will marry. But do do due diligence with the promise. Be persuaded. Are you is God talking to somebody here at all? Some people they give them contract. We are are making you the managing whatever. From this day, blah, blah, blah. He's so happy because after many years of struggling, no? they just don't look anywhere. They just uh, manage uh, look, this, blah, blah, blah. They just sign. Hey. Sign. Take this thing home. Read it. Leave it there. Sleep. Wake up. Read it again. Leave it there. Sleep. Send it to a lawyer. You trust. Read. Because sometimes your mind and your eyes don't work well. Is God talking to somebody? I've not touched the message. That's why I'm just doing introduction. <laughs> I'm about to preach. <laughs> ah! Because there are some signature when you are penned. That's imprisonment. Because you don't believe that when the promise comes, there must be due diligence before you go in. So you want to marry the brother. You want to even buy something. Oh. To just ask. That's why me, I don't like surprises. The church leaders, they know. I must know what you, you want to do. Let me know. Hey, let me know. Don't know. Ah, what are you talking? Surprise doesn't do anything. Me, my bread, oh, my bra, my bread. And then I'm very, very high jump. Let's know this thing. Some of the things you want to do for me. If you tell me, I might have a better use for that thing. If you have not gone ahead. Let me know. Are you here at all? Let me, let me know. 
Don't start building some house before me inside a bush. I have nothing to do there. Let me know. You say you want to build a house for me. What's your budget? You tell me the budget. I said, okay, liquidate it. Let me have the money. Even 90% of the money will do. <laughs> Maybe you want to do 10 bedrooms for me. I can buy three bedrooms in, in Trasaco. And it will be more relevant. I don't, don't be hiding. Stop it. That's all. Stop it. Search it out. Hey. So you have to be given to that. Or else. I mean, for me, if you know you are, sometimes it works though. Some people give birth and they never have a sick, sickling child. But majority of people get into trouble. And you see that you are in the hospital. So, please, when you have an opportunity, it's like they have brought some nice kimbi. And God has promised you that you are going to be rich. In fact, you had a dream. The way people believe their dreams, eh? It's like, it's like, and, and something told me that. Hey, hey, can you name that something that told you? Whatever told you, you have heard. But paper no lie. Asking is free. So don't follow something told me. My hunch is telling me. Sometimes, hunch. Where we have gotten to? There, there. Hey. Look, look at the way they were giving people flask for award. <laughs> Flasco. And plate. Tray. And, and, and toy horse. And nobody come, you know. The few ones who did a due diligence, they escape it. Hey. Then you see that everything will be crumbling around you. So, but if you do due diligence, somebody want to give you an award? Check the source. Praise the Lord. Ask around. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, I want to marry you, ask around. They will come and say, why, why, why are you asking around me? Don't you trust me? Oh boy, in God alone, we trust. <laughs> Every other man, we monitor, we supervise, we investigate. Until we are persuaded, we cannot trust. Trust, are you God? Then I say that, eh, then you're like, oh more, oh more, ask all. Because some people have married people, they said they are 29, and they are 39. It's like you are older than your age. That didn't surprise me. It's like I'm saying some things. Sometimes somebody wants to marry here and we tell you bring a referral letter. An introductory letter, sorry. And then you see that to be pintain, pintain, pintain. 
One lady like that, the, the, the would-be husband abroad was doing English with co-pastor. I said, me, I won't do that marriage. Ha. Because there's also due diligence the church does. So, the, some pastor be called me from one of the cities. Apparently, the girl's mother is, why is that my daughter must marry? Okay, okay. Man, no deal. Then they married. No knowing, oh God, nice lady. The sister named The trouble she has gone to enter now. Oh. Mikaya na misu. Nice sister. She doesn't want trouble. She's nice. Just, ah. So he came for counseling. I was just doing counseling. One of the guys coming to marry our sister he was sitting there. Everybody was laughing, was not laughing. I said, You, you! Stand up there! Are you who are you bigger than in this place? The guy just sat well. I said, Hey, don't bring that yourself here. Laugh, let's see what is inside your heart. <laughs> who are you trying to deceive? LPBK, some guy be wanted to marry her. Oh, I'm preaching now. I look at the way the guy loves the lady now. When I saw the guy, I said, Charlie, something doesn't add up. They had gone, no, I'm telling because she's a pastor now. They had gone far like council. We used to do it here. Far, far, like some few weeks to marriage. I said, me, I won't do. The lady was confused. So I traveled. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't do an enemy journey. <laughs> As I traveled, Omo. Whether she cried or she prayed, oh. She was there, 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 there. Weeks. The guy press, press, press. I said, my hand, no day. I don't know why, but this thing. So dig, dig. So one day, the guy was in another city. She just traveled there without unannounced visit. Or more evidence. 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 You called me, say, Daddy, you come for your stone. <laughs> That's what saved her. And some of the things I, I can't I can't say them here. It's over the top. Hey. Sister? LP? 
Eish. But are we there? Are you there? <laughs> so that you will not say that God has not treated me well. There is a way that when you have been given a promise, you have to engineer it. And due diligence is one of it. David was asking around, asking, asking everywhere, anybody that showed up, whether that is the real information until he met Saul himself. It, until that time, he didn't throw one stone. It was just on a fact finding. Fact finding. Fact finding. Fact finding. Fact finding. When you pray and God puts something on your heart to do, do due diligence. Because the heart of man is, is desperately wicked. And it can be wicked towards you yourself. That's why there's something called self-destruction. Some people have married, some people are working in partnership with some people that if they had done some small due diligence, oh, small pet, and some of these things, and they are not far. Have you seen that? Anywhere David asked, they were willing to give information. If you are willing to ask, that's why secrecy is one of the powers of the enemy to defeat you. It's in accord with you. Don't tell anybody we are going out. Don't tell pastor. Wait small. Don't tell your parents. Say <laughs> more. Hey. Hey. Don't tell, don't tell. We are going. We are coming now. now. Hey. Jenny, Jenny. Do, somebody say due diligence. Let me see. Don't say because God said it. Have you seen that even some bad, bad prophets, they have gone into meetings carrying information to use it to scam people. And they are so good at it that Oh. The end of the day, in the finality of the whole matter, wow. I think God is talking to somebody. Praise the Lord. Small, small. So a little probing. Saves us from embarrassment and losses in the battlefield. A little probing. And you need to listen to all the sides of the story. And look at the issue from all the possible angles before making a move. That is due diligence. Searching a matter. Look into things and refuse to swallow things. Hook, eye, sink. Refuse. Look into things. Sometimes you have to seek for a third opinion before you launch out. Two of us. Yeah. Third opinion. Now it is important to cross check facts from what trusted people tell us. <laughs> because it is possible to be misled sometimes by trusted people. 
Yeah. Sometimes the people you trust who are telling you what they are telling you, they themselves don't have the full information. So sometimes you have to supervise the supervisor and follow up on the sender <laughs> so that you cross-check the fact. You don't just, just do things because you trust people. Because people change and sometimes you don't know where they changed. And things change and sometimes we don't know where the transition happened. Is God talking to somebody now? Satan was a worshiper until that point. And that rebellion didn't happen in a day. No, no, he has changed long time. Judas had changed long time. No, no, Did that kind of person give him financial advice? Give him financial advice. Ghana will go on Hippic. <clears throat> go to Hippic. So even when sometimes trusted people can mislead you. Praise the Lord. That's why the Bible said the arm of flesh will fail you. So it's good to trust people, but please do due diligence. At least that should be your last line before you cross to engage. Praise the Lord. To engage. Sometimes they will tell you something. I saw your husband here. And they would describe a scenario to you. You see that you'll be boiling. You'll be boiling. Why don't you take your time and ask, hey, where were you? They'll be telling you by the time you know, he really told you that he was going to East Legon. And truly, he was found in Roman Ridge. But it's not because he went to chase. Something untoward. It's because on his way to East Legon, he had a call and it was an emergency and he had to abandon East Legon because that one was topmost on the priority. But that is not how he said, he or she set off doing. He said, okay, because you know that some exhibits at Roman Ridge, you know, when you were told that you, they saw him in Roman and you told me you were going to East Legon, <laughs> you have started your thing again, no. By the time you know, you start knowing some things. And then by the time you know, because you didn't take time to do due diligence. Ask. Ask. Always jealous. You see, some lady be sitting in front of your fiance's car all the time. You, your mind begins to tell you that he's replacing me. He's replacing me. But meanwhile, when you are a national service personnel, Somebody who used to drive in your, in your wherever organization you were doing on this, who used to drive along that side, used to give you a lift and there was nothing in it. How come your own dear, you have just already gone ahead to just draw your conclusion that by the, the fact that she's sitting here, something must be inside, in front. Why wouldn't you ask? And drunk one. A lie. <laughs> All be lie. Hey. 
please, absolute trust in loyal people can be our biggest exposure to danger if we don't develop the lifestyle of cross-checking things ourselves. I trust him. I trust the absolute trust. Sometimes even chemicals can react wrongly in a lab because condition or temperature or something in the atmosphere just changed. Are you following now? So let's be doing this. Now, to win our fights, we must have little eyes and minds of follow-ups before we shoot our weapons. Little, little minds and eyes. Little eye here, little eye there. Look at Mordecai. He now look for Esther inside. He said, you are my eye inside. Are you following here at all? They say, they say that you have won something on your phone. Over. You need an eye inside wherever they said you want. So bring this thing to redeem. Redeem what? You need an eye. They say this thing is like this. This thing, when you do this thing, you get this. You need a little eye there, a little mind there. Praise the Lord. And people can serve you well. They say somebody is calling from love. You ask and they say, no. There's nobody here. You know that an arrangement has gone on. And it can become a trouble for you. Is God talking to somebody here? Are you sure we are on the same page? Oh, you clap your hands before I make the last point. <laughs> it's one of the ways we fight. One of the keys. Praise the Lord. David didn't just hear from the mouth of all the men but also from Saul before fighting the giant. He waited. Official mouthpiece. Authentic. You are buying a land in this Accra. That land is sold for how many people? Ah. <laughs> this time around, you have to open your eyes. So It's like everybody has to be, they should chop you small before your eye clear. So use the chopping, they chop me, you know, to clear your eyes. You don't need this. We borrow my own experience. <laughs> we must satisfy ourselves with new and better particulars from authentic sources before we shoot the first bullet. Yeah. Further and better particulars. The lawyers will say that. F better and further or further and better. I'm, I'm, what can I say? Further and better. That the, the latest one might be better. It's more updated. It's further. And that one is what? Better. Don't let us use the archaic one. No, because it's like a new development to be. About. Not knowing the land. So they are not leasing for 100 years again. Hey. Not knowing this one there is 50 years. You do. You, you just say. Kode. Due diligence. Certify. Or else, when you don't get to that realm where you are persuaded, 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 you see that you are shot wrongly and it will affect you. 
I am praying that God will help all of us to be persuaded in our decisions as we are fighting this fight of faith that we will not lose. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But we will be persuaded. We will go through all. Be patient. Not to stagger here and there. Patient in our due diligence. So that in the end, all the glory will go to God. To God be the glory. Hallelujah. Let's stand up, please. You have been listening to the Testimony Word broadcast from the Keepers House Chapel International. Locate us at Madina Estate, Accra, off the social welfare road between the Gulf Lane Station and Wawan Washing Bay. Follow us on Facebook at the Keepers House Chapel International. Podcast and audio rima at Reverend Francis Auburn. Visit our website at www.keepershousechapel.org. One word. For further information, call 244 177 831 or 0204-916-168 or 0277-532-360. Experiencing Jesus, Bethany Ministries.